What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalechi back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all enjoyed your weekend. I hope y'all are powered up, ready for the week. If you have President's Day off, I hail you. If you don't, well, you're like me. It is what it is. We don't all get the day off. But if you do have the day off, or if you had the day off, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you, uh, I hope you're doing something or you did something fun to get a little bit of relaxation in, because it's always good to get a little bit of relaxation and just chilled for the day. You know, just enjoyed yourself for the day. Then have, then hopefully you were able to rest, because you know. A lot of times we just end up just keep on running and running and running and we never give ourselves the opportunity to actually rest. I hope you did something for yourself. I hope you were able to spend time doing something for yourself because a lot of times what ends up happening is we go to work. That's not really for us. I mean, yeah, so we can pay our bills and all that stuff. But really, we go to work so we can get money to eat and all that stuff. And then when we come back home, we have other things, other priorities in our lives that we have to take care of, especially if you're married. There are other people that are dependent on you. And then if you're even not married, but you live with somebody else or you're living with somebody who you have to help out with certain things, you're not able to do something for yourself. So hopefully... Even if it was over the weekend or even on Memorial Day, not Memorial Day, President's Day, if you got if you had it off, you were able to do something for yourself. You were able to just kind of have a minute of just making yourself feel a little bit good for the day. Just, you know, I hope at least that's my hope for everybody that's listening to this podcast. But anyway, moving on from the how are you doings and all that good stuff, I read a article this weekend that I just found pretty amazing. It was a really good article. It talked about the 401k, talked about people who had a 401k and the fact that there there were a lot of new people that became millionaires through their 401k. So it said that from the third quarter of 2019 to the fourth quarter of 2019, a report from Fidelity, one of the one of the bigger 401k managers out there, came out that the number of millionaires or people who had a million dollars or more, you're a millionaire if you have a million dollars in your in any way, if you're worth a million dollars, but it said people who had a million dollars or more in their 401k, the number went from 200,000 to 233,000 at the end of last year. And when you compare it to about 10 years ago, only 21,000 people had $1 million in their 401k. It has shown a shift in industry and it has shown a shift in the cultural context and in the way that we think about 401ks and the way that people are investing their money and thinking about their money and it's showing that people are actively trying to invest more or trying to do better to plan for their retirement also all those numbers these are also record high numbers in history we've never had these number these numbers in history also another keynote is ira millionaires also increased in the same time frame from 182,000 people to 208,000 people and this this was just to me remember we had just talked about how the debt crisis is going out of hand how we talked about last week how 
united we united in debt how everyone in the united states basically is all in debt and that just for me was just like hard hitting to know that we are not at 14 trillion dollars in debt and it wasn't like all student loans or anything like that that most of that debt was housing debt and most of that debt was credit card debt like yes student loan debt was high on that list but other ones that were really high on that list was looking at credit card debt was over like $800 million. It was a lot of money that or $800 billion that was in credit card debt. But yeah, it just showed from the report from Fidelity and that survey from Fidelity just how over the years people are focusing and doing much, much more of a better job with investing for their future and thinking about their future and thinking about when I cannot work. And how do I make money when I cannot work anymore? How do I, how am I able to still have income coming in when I can, when I don't have the ability to go to work every day and still, and plus we shouldn't even want to work every single day for the rest of our lives. Like when I say work, that's different from like doing stuff that you love, because at some point, at some point in everybody's life, there's a point where you're just kind of like, I don't just want to do something just to do it, but you want to do something more that you love. And so this in, in, insinuates that people are thinking about more that more more and more i mean we just had the boomer generation that is finally coming out of the workforce because they've been working like you have these 80 year old dudes that are still working till this day working a typical nine to five not necessarily because they have a passion in it but because they still have bills to pay and i don't want to be in that position where i'm super old and i'm not doing the thing that i want to do or doing the things that i love to do and i just don't want to be at that position so how are you able to get to that point where you're able to do the things that you love to to do after you've done the things that you had to do to get to a point where you are financially free and planning for your future and preparing for your future and it's just interesting to see that over time we're hitting new highs when it comes to people that are becoming millionaires at least when you look when you look at their 401k status when you look at the amount that they've saved in their 401k or the amount that they've saved in their ira that's really 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 impressive i mean impressive so that leads us to the topic of today the topic of today was going to be or is going to be us talking about investing how do you start investing how do you start planning for your retirement how do you start taking things into your own hands this is the fun stuff this is the thing that people want people like to hear about this is the good stuff it's now your money begins to work for you it's now you actually actively allowing your money to work for you after you've done you're done paying off your debt you have your expense um you have your emergency emergency fund set aside now you're beginning to invest by the way when i say your emergency fund i'm still talking about that one thousand dollars that you have set aside through this investing period when you start investing in your 401k in an ira or anything of this sort you're still going to be excuse me you're still going to be building up that three to six months expense or not expense emergency fund as well you can do both at the same time if this was a dave ramsey show he would be so anti that he's very much one step at a time one step at a time but i believe that we can all chew bubble gum and walk at the same time but actually can we really because for some reason when we walk we don't really chew i don't know anyway i'm pretty sure we can chew i don't know it's interesting some people can't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time though which is pretty interesting but anyway, that's beside the point. That's my point. You can chew bubblegum and walk at the same time. How? However, it just means, excuse me, this weather, this weather in Atlanta is so weird. Yesterday it was warm. Like literally yesterday it was in the 60s. And then today it's in the low 30s. It's like, what is going on with this weather? I don't understand 
anything that is going on with this weather it just switches up and decides what it wants to do every single day maybe one day it'll figure itself out and decide this is how I'm gonna do it this is what we're gonna do and it's gonna be this degree but hopefully it makes up his mind here soon because people are getting sick and it's not good because the weather is switching I'm over here sniffing in my nose as if I'm about to catch cold I hope not because I don't want to catch cold because when you're sick or like when you're sick and you're young and you just stay home and everybody babysits you when you're grown and you're sick it's not comfortable because you're by yourself at home you're over here like trying to make soup but you're uncomfortable you don't want to get out of the bed it's just uncomfortable it's not as fun being sick and being grown is not as nice as being sick and being young because there are other people that take care of you when you're young anyway why did i get start talking about this i guess that's why the show is called rambling mind podcast but anyway let's get back on topic so when you look at when after you've paid off all your debt you have that one thousand dollars emergency fund you can start doing both your emergency fund of three to six months as well as investing in your future you can do both of these things at the same time we've already talked about planning or having an emergency fund of three to six months we've talked about why it's important to do that and now we're talking about investing retirement the main thing is at some day at some point you will not be able to work the same things that i mean you might be i mean for the most part people unless if you find you're in if you're in your passion that you love to do and all that kind of stuff you might be able to keep working until you're dying breath and doing exactly what you want to do but for some people some people don't want to work at all and they want to get to a point where they're able to just start doing the things that they they want to do like they want to whatever their passion is whether it's music whether it's podcasting whether it's speaking to people whatever it is this by by building up your retirement fund by building up a fund it allows you it gives you that room to be able to make a decision when that point comes in where you have to cross the the line of your passion versus what you do every day that pays the bills and you feel like you know what it's time for me to chase my passion when you get to that point it's a lot easier to make that decision it's a lot easier to make that decision when you know that your future is a little bit more stable than it is when it's kind of up in the air and all that good stuff but anyway one of the key things that they said in the survey that I wanted to share with everybody and we will discuss about it more is in order for your money to work for you you have to actively invest it you have to actively invest a lot of us if you work for a company that has a 401k plan or if you are well if you have an individual retirement account which is an ira by the way we're gonna break these terms down because I, I one thing i learned recently is that not everybody knows what an ira is or what a 401k is or any of this stuff and this is something that i would like to teach every single person but one of the things that they said in the survey was the fact that not a lot of people who actively donate or who actively allocate funds into their 401k it's not really donating because it's for you for the future but anyway who actively put money in their 401k for those people who have a company that has a 401k plan they don't actually invest that fund in other words you're putting money into the account but the money is not really doing anything for you so that's also something we're going to discuss on here how do you look at your 401k plan because not all of us have that money to just have money managers to manage all our money no i i don't have that kind of money i don't i don't have that kind of money to be able to manage to have somebody who just looks over my money and decides how to allocate funds i don't have that i have me 
and I have to do a little bit of studying on the side. It takes a little bit of work that you have to do for yourselves, a little bit of research that you have to do for yourself to determine how exactly do I make my money work for me? That's where this comes in. This is some of the educational things that I will be sharing today. Some of the things that we will be talking about moving forward. But a side note and a key note that I have to share as we go into this topic is one, I am not a financial advisor. Two, I only know a little bit about this topic. Do not take every single thing that I say as biblical or as Bible. Please do your own research. Please find out and I'll advise you to get your own if you can get a financial advisor to help you walk through these things. A lot of financial advisors don't take a fee. What it is is as they manage your money, they take some kind of a percentage. So you never have to pay them anything up front. They take a percentage out of your earnings of that dollars as they're managing your money. But please, 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 please do not take my word as gospel. Everything that I'm saying on here is things that I have learned over the years from learning from other people, doing a little bit of research on the side and just reading up on some articles, reading up on some books and learning about how to do a little bit of investment. I don't even know a lot of things when it comes to investment. I was talking to somebody the other day and he was teaching me new things that I didn't know about, but that's how you learn and you grow. You keep reading into these things and you learn from it and you grow from it. But the main thing is I just want to get this world opened up to you so you can start looking at it for yourself so that when the time comes after you finish paying your debt, after you have all those, after you have that $1,000 emergency fund set aside and all these kind of things, when you when you're now getting into the level of, oh, let me start planning for the future. Let me start thinking about my tomorrow. Let me start thinking about the things that I may not have to worry about today, but I might have to worry about down the line, especially for those of us who are working right now. When you're doing all of this, and if you're a student as well, just thinking about these things to help you once you get out of school is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to ignite that information and trying to ignite you to start thinking about those things as time progresses. But anyway, let's get into it. So like I just said, for all those who have a 401k plan at work, now what is a 401k? A 401k is a a retirement account that is set up if you work for a business. So if you work for a large corporation, most of the time they're going to, as one of your benefits, they'll say, we have a 401k plan that you can contribute to on a regular basis from your paycheck. They'll take a some, they'll take some amount of your money and put into that 401k plan. Now, this is different from a pension. A pension is a government issued thing. The bad thing about a pension is they can, the government for any reason can decide they're not going to pay your pension or anything like that. The government can do whatever they want and all that kind of stuff. So I don't trust the government that much to determine how I'm going to live when I can't work all the time anymore. I want to have some kind of control over that. So therefore, that's where the 401k plan comes in. And there are two types of 401ks. There is the traditional 401k and a Roth 401k. Now, when you talk about a traditional 401k, a traditional 401k is basically the idea is simple. They will not take taxes out of the money that you are donating into your 401k. So taxes, it's going to be tax exempt for, for whenever you donate or put, contribute money into it versus a Roth 401k is after taxes. In other words, once your money, you know how you get your paycheck and your paycheck comes in, it has all the deductions that the government has taken. And then from the final sum after the government has taken all their money, then they remove money from your, uh, your paycheck and put it into your 401k plan. Now, how do you determine which one is best for you? If you're young, if you're just starting out your life, if you're just starting working and you're, I'll say if you're under the age of 30, first of all, don't look at a traditional. 
go to a Roth 401k. Do not do a traditional. The reason why is because more than likely your earning is going to keep going up. In other words, your earning, your, your tax bracket is going to keep going up and your tax, your cheapest rate of taxing that you're going to have is right now. So it's better for you to take those taxes now than in the future when it will cost you more. And presumably you're going to be earning a whole lot more money. You're going to be in a much higher tax bracket and you don't want to pay that much back in taxes at that point when you start collecting your money out of the 401k so that's why if you're young i'll say if you're under the age of 30 or even if you're under the age of i'll say if you're under the age of 40 i'll say don't do a traditional 401k plan do a Roth 401k so you can pay those cheaper taxes now rather than 20 to 30 years down the line where you will start using your 401k and then you have to pay a higher level of tax. You don't want to do that. You want to take those taxes up front, take those losses up front rather than further down the line. Now it's on, it's also your decision. Talk to your financial advisors, talk to people who know your particular situation, who know your particular issues, because it's not just about your age group as well as uh, your age group. There are other things that play a role into what you want to do as far as doing a traditional or a Roth 401k. As far as that is understood or as far as I understand it to be. So talk to people who is more who are professionals who can actually advise you to make better decisions. Now for still talking about the 401k. For all those who have a 401k, more than likely your company does some kind of match. Uh, so it's like a percentage of how much you contribute, they're going to match. So let's say you contribute about a, uh, 5% of your paycheck into your 401k. Some companies will match up to that 5% and some companies match more than that. But I will say the minimum you should be putting in your 401k is whatever your company matches. However, I do advise that most people should at, at least, at least, at least be putting at least 10% of your paycheck into your 401k or your IRA, which we'll talk about the IRA and what that is exactly in a second and why everybody, even if you do have a 401k at work, everybody should own both a 401k. If you have a job that has that benefit for you, you should have a 401k and an IRA. And I'll explain that in a second, why you should also have an IRA account, but if you have a 401k and your company has the ability or your company matches the, the amount that you put into your 401k, then what you have to do is at least at the minimum, put the same amount in your in your 401k as your company is willing to match. But I'll say everybody, your goal and your aim should be at least to put 10 to 15% of your paycheck into your 401k to start planning for that future. Now things happen during life, so you can change that up as necessary. You can move it up, you can move it down. These things, and like I said, just like with your budget, these things are not set in stone. They can change as you change, as life changes, as needs changes. You can always change how much you deposit into your 401k, how much you put into your 401k account you can make it fluctuate go up and down you can make it have a system where it just keeps on increasing every year so you until you reach a certain cap now side note there is a limit how much you are allowed to put into your 401k i believe the limit this year is about twenty thousand dollars nineteen thousand five hundred dollars that you can contribute annually to your 401k and then on the other side on the ira side i think it's about i want to say it's about 
$6,000 or so that you can contribute in a year into your IRA. But I might be very, very wrong with those numbers. I'm not sure. Hold on. You know what? I'm going to look that up real quick to tell you exactly what the limitation of how much you can contribute. So for the year 2020, you can only contribute $6,000 to a Roth IRA. That's the limitation. Why on a 401k, uh, like we said earlier, it is 19,500 for the year. So that's just something to keep in mind if you are planning to start putting money into it and to hit that cap. That's the limit. And once you hit that cap, you can't put any more money into it. So now let's talk about an IRA. We've talked about a 401k, what the benefits are. And just like with a 401k, there is also a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. I'll say for everybody, I don't really think of anybody that would be able to get away without doing a a Roth IRA. I think every single person should have a Roth IRA. And what is an IRA? An IRA is an individual retirement account. In other words, it's not through your company. It's not through any other business or anything like that. It is you yourself going to any investment company like a Fidelity or a Vanguard or Robinhood or any of these companies, Charles Schwab any of these funds and just going and opening an account for yourself. It's just kind of like opening a bank account, but in this case, you'll be opening an investment account. Your money does not, and this is something to note about either one of these, either 401k or IRA. Once you put your money in it, you cannot take your money out. Just, just as a side note, because when you do take your money out, there is a federal tax penalty that would be put on that money. So let's say you put $100 into your 401k or your IRA and you're like, oh man, I need to withdraw money. That is not the place to go look at because they will tax that thing. I think it's about a 30% 30 to 40% tax that will hit that money. In other words, your $100 just turned to $60 and $40 just went to the government and you don't want that. You want all your money to be your money until you reach the retirement age, which I believe is 62, unless it increased in the last year to be 63 maybe but that is the retirement age before you can start getting money out of your ira account or out of your 401k account so once you put money in any of these accounts do not look back let that money sit there it is there for you to for it to sit and grow so like we're talking about first step is for every single person to open if if you have a 401k at work start contributing to it if you're not contributing to it at least contribute the amount that your company is willing to match because whenever you have a 401k plan with a company they usually match it up to a certain amount at least put that much in there if you're doing an ira put at least 10% of your paycheck every every paycheck 10% should just automatically go into that account should automatically go into that IRA account immediately and it will be tax free so that's not tax free it's not going to be tax free it will be post tax so when you start withdrawing those funds and i believe most people if you're older than a certain age if you're over older fifth older than 50 if you're over 50, I would say do a traditional because then your tax bracket is not going to change too much from where you are now into the future, uh, into when you're going to be start withdrawing. So do a traditional so you can save yourself some money. If you're not over 50, do yourself a service and do the Roth IRA um, option. Do the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA. You end up saving yourself a whole lot more money right now in taxes. So you're not paying as much taxes, but that's that. So 
for anybody who says, okay, I want to open up an IRA. I don't know how this works. I want to open up an IRA. How do you open up an IRA? There's multiple ways. There is the, and, and the good thing about this, there's so many free options nowadays because of just the internet and how it has changed. Robinhood came into the, into the, into the game. We've talked about it in the past how Robinhood completely changed the way funding and investments and all that stuff works for you because now everybody has zero dollar investing funds and all that kind of good thing. So the good thing is to open up an IRA account for the most part. It doesn't cost you much of anything. It's just for you, just like you open up a new bank account. You just open up the app. You sign up, you give it all the information it needs, and then you start contributing money into it. And so you can open up like the app Robinhood, or you can do like Fidelity, you can do Vanguard, you can do, there's a bunch of different ones that you can do. Just do your research, find the one that works best for you. I like Vanguard a little bit not exactly the best i do have a financial advisor a lot of times if you have a financial advisor they will actually take have an account open for you with them and so your account is going to be under them but you can monitor and see how that how your investments are doing but the main thing is for you to open one up do your research find the the one that works best for you robin hood is the easiest one however I, I will tell you to be very careful when you open with robin hood just because it's not the best user experience on there it doesn't really help you out much but i'll say fidelity has a pretty good user experience vanguard has a pretty good user experience as well so that's how you open up an account so when you do open up the account the next question is how do i start investing so a key thing to know about the different accounts Robinhood is your lowest barrier cost wise of opening an account Vanguard I think the minimum you have to have is about two thousand dollars to open an account in order to start investing that's the minimum in order to invest in any one of their funds uh, I think Fidelity might have a cheaper barrier as well Charles Schwab might have a cheaper barrier but I'm not really sure I don't know the all the details of those but I know for sure Vanguard their funds are expensive to to invest into and so for for most of y'all for most of us right now the best bet is to have like a robin hood account and i'll say the ones the funds to look at when you open up an ira account there are two types of funds i'll say everybody should invest in mutual funds and etfs and what are etfs e etfs are exchange traded funds and what these two do because one of the things about the stock market is I don't like people to just invest in single stocks. The risk in investing in single stocks is too high for all your money to be basically going up and down with a single stock. I don't like that kind of risk. That's too much risk for me. So I prefer to invest in mutual funds. Mutual funds are basically where a group of companies are in one fund. And so if one company is doing really well, but a few other companies are doing really bad, it kind of balances out. So you're not seeing either the highs or the lows. You're seeing more of that middle ground of whatever the company is doing. And it's the same thing with exchange traded funds. You see it's a group of companies put into one stock that you buy into, and then you never see the highs or the lows of any company you kind of see the middle ground and kind of see how that is doing how that is being how that is growing for you and i will say this last year which is why we had a bunch of millionaires that we had that survey from last year is because last year the stock market the the interest we talked about it multiple times it was like a 30 percent increase for investors so that was a good last year was a good year for the stock market and over the years over the years, year over year, we can we see it over and over again where the stock market keeps increasing. So you can bet 
that your money is going to have some kind of increase, that your money is going to have some kind of return on your investment. And the idea is for you to just, oh, another thing, when you do set up your account, just make sure that you tick the box that says, you don't want the dividend. You don't don't do dividend here. Unless you're retired, then you want to start having the dividend. But you don't want the dividend. You want the dividend to be reinvested back into the account. So even if your dividend is like twenty dollars, you want that twenty dollars to go back into the investment fund rather than being paid out to you. You want that dividend to go back to the investment fund to keep growing, so that it can keep making more money and more money. That's how your money grows for you. The compound interest is what you're looking for. You want your money to keep growing on your behalf so that you can sit back and enjoy as you see your money continue to grow. So, and there are multiple different types of mutual funds. There are multiple different types of ETFs. After you've opened your accounts and you're trying to choose the funds to invest in, it's going to feel like a lot of information at one time. You're like, oh my God, there's all these companies that I'm looking at. How do I choose the one to invest in? What you're looking for, if you're looking for a a mutual fund there are different types of mutual funds you have your growth and income mutual funds these are your large cap blue chip funds what does that mean all that means is basically these are the calmest funds these funds don't have high highs and they don't have low lows they don't have the biggest amount of returns that you can get on these but these are the funds that will always give you some kind of return every single year so these are your fallback funds these are the funds that when you invest in them, you can know that your money is safe because these companies usually have good returns. Companies that are, I've said it in the past, I've talked about it a little bit. Coca-Cola is a blue chip fund because over the years, they always had good returns. They've had good, Boeing is a blue chip fund because even look at the year that they had, they still had some kind of return on their investment. Apple is getting into the realm of becoming a blue chip fund, but it's not there yet because it hasn't had that history. But these are your large companies all within one fund and it's a nice little mix. So what you can do when you're looking at these funds, make sure you're going through the companies and what you need to do for any fund and any type of fund on this list, whether it's an ETF or whether it is a mutual fund, one of the things you want to look at is look at the last 10 years of that fund. Look at the last 10 years and look at that return on investment on those last 10 years. Has it been able to consistently give people 10% back on their investment? That's what you're looking for when you start looking at these funds. You want at least 10% in return on your investment, your 10% ROE on any of these funds. That's what you're looking for. And you want to look at long-term funds. Don't look at just your quick one hitters. So don't look at funds that have only been a, a, a available for about the last two, three, four years or something like that. You want long term because you don't want something that is a one hit wonder that shines for a little bit. And then once it's on the market for longer terms, it's not being able to provide you that return on your investment. So that's the first type. The first type is growth and income. The second type is your growth stock mutual fund. Yeah, these names, it, it kind of gets complicated. It kind of gets convoluted, but it is called the growth stock mutual fund, also known as the mid cap fund. Now, these are your medium sized funds. And this is basically companies that are within the S&P 500. This is where your apples of the world fall, falls into. This is where your Facebook of the world falls into. This is where Amazon falls into. This is where Microsoft falls into. So if you look at the S&P 500, those companies that we are always talking about on this, on this show, because I'm a tech head and a lot of them are going to be tech companies. 
they're in the S&P 500 and these are your mid cap funds these are the funds that are not on the Dow Jones so the first one a lot of those companies are on the Dow Jones that's why the Dow Jones looks massive because it has a lot of the bigger companies in there but in the S&P 500 these are your mid markets even though they're now becoming more of your superstars these are now becoming more of what the market is moving towards but these are the mid car funds these are the funds that when you look at them you're like oh I know that name. I know that company. I know how that company has been doing. But at the same time, you want that 10 year return on investment, at least 10% return on investment. And 10% is very, is minimal. I prefer whenever I'm talking with my financial advisor, I'm trying to get that about 12 to 15% return on my investment because I'm young right now. I can take a little bit more risk. And that's the other thing when you're going through this, make sure you do some kind of risk assessments to know if you do talk to a financial advisor, make sure and a good one, a good financial advisor will automatically give you a risk assessment to find out how much or what is your risk tolerance. Are you willing to go all in on some some iffy stocks so that you can make some more money on the back end? Or do you just want to continue continually see that growth? So especially for us, for those of us who are single or young, we can kind of take some risks right now. So I wouldn't say take too many risks, but you can take some risks. So now we're moving into the more riskier funds there are two more uh, two more types of mutual funds i want to talk about aggressive growth stock mutual funds aka your small cap funds or your emerging market funds so what is this these are your most volatile uh, funds these are the one that you don't want to put too much money into unless I would say don't put too much money into these stocks into these funds because these ones tend to hit hard like it's either it's boom or bust for these kind of funds for these small market funds and when it says like your emerging market funds is basically like new technologies new markets that have not been seen before so for example uber is a small market fund and we saw how uber reacted uh casper who just launched is a small market fund as well it's a lot of these uh new tech companies that are coming out or not just tech companies but new companies in general that are coming out these are your unicorn uh, unicorn fund, uh, funds there are a lot of companies that are coming out of that um private entity and are starting to get their feet under them and are now about to go public or start going public they don't have that many years of experience of running as a publicly funded company they don't have that much information behind them lyft is another example of this we work we saw how that one went so these are small market emerging technologies i wonder how What's the word that they use for new companies? Uh, it's startups. So it's your startups. It's basically all these companies that are just starting and are just kind of getting ready to go public or rather are going public or have gone public, but they don't have that much experience under their belt. But regardless, you still want to look at the track record of the funds because mutual funds, unlike any of these single stocks where you just buy a stock of a company, mutual funds are very, very much highly highly managed by fund managers so there's somebody who is picking each and every fund that goes into whichever fund you are you go into whether it's when you get on vanguard and you see all the vanguard mutual funds there's somebody behind that that is selecting which companies it wants to invest in for those funds so what you're looking at is the 10-year return of investment of that person how have they been doing over the last 10 years in selecting companies to go within that fund have they hit gold a lot more often or not necessarily hit gold but have they at least been consistent 
is there something to be said about consistently a lot of times we want the boom or bust but that's a bad idea because then when it comes time for you to actually start chopping the money that you've been saving you can't because you just haven't you you went boom or bust on it so that's the third one and finally the final one is your international stock mutual funds or otherwise known as your global stock mutual funds so this is where you look at companies like lg huawei samsung your international bands your mercedes benzes your bmws because those are not u.s companies so this is where your chance to be able to invest in those companies that are outside of the u.s that are making money at your alibabas and all those kind of companies baidu's all those companies that are outside of the u.s this is the fund where you look at them and say i want to invest your sony's of the world i keep listing companies i don't know why i keep listing companies but all these companies that are outside of the u.s this is where their funds are going to be most of the time now that doesn't mean that these companies are not going to be in other kind of mutual funds but there is a specific one for their for your international stock mutual fund so Let's go over the four types of mutual funds again. It is one, your growth and income fund, your or otherwise known as your blue chips, your big company funds. Two, it is your growth stock market fund, aka your mid-cap fund. So companies like Amazon, companies like Apple, companies like Facebook, companies like Google are in those funds. These are like becoming bigger companies and stuff like that but they're still learning how to get there and then you have your aggressive growth this is the one that is the most volatile it's also known as your small cap fund it's a reason why it's called small cap you don't want too much of your money in there because these are a lot of boom or bust companies so you want to be very careful about how much you invest in and then finally like we just talked about the international stock market uh stock mutual fund otherwise known as your global stock mutual fund this is the companies that are outside of the u.s your international companies that do well over time and you can invest this is how you invest in those companies as well because we are in a global market nowadays no company survives by being just in its own mainland in its own island there's no such thing as that anymore in this market space and so it should be the same for your investment your investment should not be u.s based only you want to make sure your investment is also investing outside of the u.s those are the ones that I will say for most people, if not everybody should be investing in, is just straight mutual funds. But recently, I've been intrigued by ETFs. So what are ETFs? I don't advise anybody to start looking into this, by the way. If you're just starting out and investing, do mutual funds. Those are good. If you're just starting out looking at this stuff, because ETFs are a little bit more volatile, they're not as stable because nobody is actively managing them. It's basically based on other things. So. ETFs, I like ETFs, They're, they give a pretty decent return, but I would just say be mindful of when you start doing ETFs. But like I said, talk to your financial advisor before you do any of this stuff. So when you look at ETFs, a lot of people actually like ETFs. There are six types of ETFs. This is a lot of information. I hope you all are taking notes. There are six types of ETFs if you're looking at investing in ETFs. The first one is bonds ETFs. Otherwise, first of all, let me rephrase again. What are ETFs? ETFs are exchange traded funds. There are funds that are based on certain things, just like a mutual fund but it's not actively managed. A mutual fund is very, very much actively managed. But anyway, so the first type is a bond ETF. We've talked about it, what are bonds? Bonds is basically you buy the, you give company money so they can have money for debt. It can be a government issued bond or it can be a municipal bond, which is a state or local, local bond. So basically this is like, we talked about that. We've talked about bonds in the past. Bonds are basically companies debt. You buy into a company's debt and you get 
an interest on it. Just like if you had a credit card, now you are on the side of you are now the creditor. You're giving the people money. You're giving a company money and saying, I will buy your debt. I'll give you money so you can pay off your debtors. But in return, you have to pay me a certain amount back every month and you can invest in bonds. Now, bonds, your safest type of bond is a government bond, but I don't like bonds because they don't give you that much of a return on your investment. But it is also safe. Like government bonds are a good, safe place to put money in. So you see, like right now, we've talked about it. A lot of companies are investing in government bonds because it's safe or even in company bonds because it's safe and the interest rate right now is really low. So a lot of companies are selling off their debts so they can so that it can make some more money. It's cheaper for them to sell off their debt right now because the interest rates are so low. Again, another reason why I don't like bonds, you don't make that much money off of them. But anyway, then you have your industry specific ETFs. So these are specific ETFs that are created to focus on an industry. So it can be like the oil industry or the gas industry or health or technology or banking is basically an ETF. It's basically specifically created to just have companies from those industries to look at and say in this exchange traded fund all we are looking at is just tech companies tech companies and we're going to see how those tech companies grow over time and see if we can continue getting a specific amount of return on our investment for example utilities are publicly traded funds utilities are really usually have been historically a good place to put your money in because they are consistent they're not as volatile so you can have a, a utf that is just based on utilities or you can have a, a an etf that is based on technology companies so you can have companies like apple in there microsoft is in there baidu is in there all those kind of companies like nvidia those kind of chip manufacturers and all those kind of stuff these are in your industry focused etfs and then the next one after that is commodity etfs this is investing in things like crude oil or gold i don't know if y'all knew but gold is a publicly traded asset gold currency oil all these things are traded that's why you see the oil market stock prices can change all the time people are always monitoring that so you can invest in an etf of that kind now the key thing is whichever one you select please do your research to understand how that market works how the market has been fluctuating and changing over the years to know when to invest and when not to invest when it's a good time to buy into it and when not it's a good time to buy into it that's why i'm not a big fan of etfs because you have to be focused on you have to be active you have to be very active with it which is why i prefer a financial advisor with mutual funds moving on from there we have the inverse etfs and basically inverse etfs is an attempt from from certain stockholders to make sure or to make gains when a stock declines remember we talked about short uh stock shorting which is basically you're banking that a certain stock or a certain market or a certain part of the market or a certain industry is going to fail i i don't i will say to everybody do not necessarily invest in this one this is one of the more volatile ones uh, but anyway, it's basically they're shorting the stock, expecting a decline in value so they can repurchase it at a lower price. So that's an e inverse ETF. And then the sixth and final one is an index ETFs. These are your largest and your best ETFs. These are created to mimic the different trading uh, trading indexes. So your Dow Jones, your S&P 500, your NASDAQs of the world, your Japan indexes, your Chinese uh, trading market indexes. So all these ones are literally created to have the same companies that are in those 
indexes that are, are publicly traded on those platforms in that ETF. This is the one that I will tell most people to invest in. If you are looking to invest in ETFs, I would say invest in index ETFs. I would look at ones from the S&P 500 most of the time because those have more growth potential and i also look at some from the dow jones and some from the nasdaq nasdaq is very volatile it has companies like tesla if you invest in companies like tesla that's good because tesla has had a extremely unbelievably explosive growth which is what you can see in small cap funds so that's just some things to think about when it comes to etfs again let's rehash the six types of etfs you have your bond etfs you have your industry industry etfs you have your commodity etfs currency etfs well we didn't even talk about currency etfs basically currency is regularly traded that's why you're you're when you're trying to get a currency exchange is different rates all the time so currency etfs you have your inverse ETF, and then finally you have your index ETF, which I believe is the one that most people should invest in. This has been one of the longest podcasts because it's a lot of information, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of information for all of y'all to get in there and start kind of doing your own work as far as investing. The most important thing though is for you to start it and to be consistent in it. Don't stop. Once you start, please do not stop. Please do not try and get the money out of it. Keep the money in there. Let that money keep making money for you. If you have a 401k, get on your 401k account and actively, actively look at what companies are your money is invested into so your money can do work for you. This is the part where your money finally starts talking and walking on your behalf. When you're sleeping, your money is doing work. When you're at work, your money is doing more work. So that's how you do it. These are the things to look at when it comes to investing in your future. So if you do not have an IRA account, please go open one. You may not be able to open one from the larger ones from like a Vanguard or anything like that, but you may be able to open one from like a Fidelity where the entry is not as expensive or you can definitely open one with a Robin Hood where literally it takes a dollar for you to start investing. So you can do that as well. And when you go on a Robin Hood, look up mutual funds. That's what I think. If you're going to be consistent with it, look up mutual funds as your best bet as far as investing regularly. And for those of you who have some money just burning in the back of your pocket, you can play around with buying single stocks, which I don't tell anybody to do this play around with buying some single stocks and just see how much money you can make because it's a good way to uh, get some dividends and get companies to start paying you money for just because you're invested in a little bit of cash in there but everybody else make sure your dividends is reinvested back into your account but anyway that is all i have for y'all I hope y'all learned a thing or two it's a lot of information but maybe break it down take some notes and then start working towards your goals for those of you who have gotten past the point of paying debt and all that good stuff. But anyway, it's been your boy Kelechi. This has been the Rambling Mind Podcast, and I'm going to hit y'all back with another one another day. God bless each and every single one of y'all, and I'll talk to y'all later. Peace!